Hey everybody, it's Elle Michelle Smith, executive producer and host of the Culture Soup Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Wow, I just had an amazing time at the headquarters of the Dallas Mavericks NBA franchise, um, where the CEO is the first female CEO in the league, Sint Marshall, um, speaking to their employee base. Um, I'm doing a speaker series. There are four in a row. I'll wrap up in September, started in July. And today we talked about Authenticity 101, and it was called Do You. What an amazing time. I want to thank them for having me out. And I'm telling you this because it's just the wrap up to the last several days that I've been so busy. In fact, busy with my number one job of being a mom in chief to Joni. That's right. We just got off the plane last night, very late, from Orlando, Florida, where we partied with Mickey, Minnie, Donald, and all of his friends at Walt Disney World. So, you know what that means. It's another Throwback Thursday, and I'm proud to bring you one of the most downloaded. In fact, it is the most downloaded episode of all the Culture Soup podcast episodes with my frat brother, John Graham Jr. You'll remember that he's the one from the biotech company that had the deep discussion with me around employee advocacy. Y'all, people still share that article from Black Enterprise. People are still talking about this conversation right here. It's interesting to me because people are like, oh, your views on, on employee advocacy and personal brand are so progressive. And you know what? I'm here to tell you that's kind of sad because it's past time um, that employees and employers aligned to get this right. And that means that companies need to take the lead because you know what? You're the biggest, baddest thing out there. You have control over this thing. Plus, you have the marketing budget to offset this if you'd like. These employees, this their channels. It's their real estate. So how do you do the give and take? We have that conversation on this Throwback Thursday with John Graham Jr. Enjoy. Hey, y'all. This is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. So I've been doing a lot of talking, speaking, writing, coaching on personal brands, your digital footprint, gosh, getting your searchability on point on the internet. There's something that I've been talking about recently with university students that I've been guest lecturing to, and that is about the democratization of the internet. I asked them what that means. And even students ages 19, 20, 21, they know that that means access. Recently, I spoke at the University of North Texas where Professor Neil Foote is in charge of the media ownership class. And we talked about how it is now an option to not just be an entrepreneur or go work for a big company, but to do both. I encourage the class members to take advantage of this democratization of the internet because thanks to services like PayPal, Stripe, and Square, you can have an alert going off on your phone that isn't just text or email. It can be money in the bank. And with skills like communicators, journalists, advertisers, they can have an early start at building businesses all their own, including building brands at this early age so that they can own 
instead of being owned. Today I talked to John Graham. And yes, he works for a biotech company. Yes, he's an employee advocacy expert, but he's a little more than that. Besides being my friend, he is an employee brand philosopher and authenticity activator. Yeah, that's deep. And believe me, John and I go really, really deep in this special extended episode of the Culture Soup Podcast. since we first met over the phone. That's exactly right. True. Yeah, yeah. 3,000 miles, cl- well, a couple thousand miles closer. At I least. guess. Yeah. Are you liking it? Loving it. Really? I could tell okay. when you first got out there. I mean, I mean but who doesn't like beaches and Teslas? That's that's a good combination <laughs> for sure. Uh, and then, you know, it's 54 degrees and raining right now, but the, uh-huh. I will take that over the Arctic vortex any oh, day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's vicious out here. So, um, so now it's it's been awesome. Family's made the great transition. Job is phenomenal. A lot Good. of uh, opportunity and sunshine. Every time I see you post, I'm like, damn, she is working Thank hard. you. <laughs> you are getting it. Yeah. I mean, the con- constant, consistent flow of, of really good content. Yeah. Is, Thank it's, you. It's, it's, all inspi- it's inspiring. Well, I so. have wonderful friends that know some stuff. And I, that's network. the premise, right? Because we're able to have a little chemistry that if I had, I didn't know you, we can't have, right? It's going to be awkward, yeah, for sure. Everybody, we have John Graham Jr. all the way from Los Angeles, California. What part of Los Angeles? Yeah, I'm in Thousand Oaks. Okay. So it's about 40 minutes west. That's of, kind of, uh, of a she frou-frou part of town, right? I have to travel for my cultural interactions, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, Is that what yeah. happens? But there's pockets, you know? Yeah, and it's cool. Okay. You know how, like, when you when you see somebody of color in, in, a, in a space where we're not predominant, you're like, hey. Hey, what's up? You, you made it, too. Yeah, you made it. We made right. it. <laughs> Absolutely. All mm-hmm. right. And what you drinking? What you got? I am drinking a Ginger Rogers, which is uh, a little Prosecco, champagne, and ginger beer. I love Prosecco, and I love ginger beer. So I'm going to have to try that. It's really yeah, good. It's, it's when you feel bougie, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Well, you, you, you're doing the bougie thing well. I, I, I dabble. I dabble yeah. in bougie. I come from so, good stock. Yeah, I think you do. So, so tell us what you do. Yeah, so... Uh, well, professionally, I am a, a global employer brand and recruitment and marketing uh, leader for Amgen, which is a biotech company, uh, the largest biotech company in the world. And so my job, as it were, is to tell the employee's story in their voice across uh, social channels, digital channels, and internal channels. I love it. So we got a lot to talk about. Look, I bring friends on that are sitting at the intersection of tech, business, and culture. And you're absolutely there. Um, culture is always that thing that makes your squad a squad. So it's not always about skin color. And it may even be a microculture, like the culture you have at your job, right? And so oh, much of employee advocacy, like we're going to talk about, exists yeah. right there, right? And yeah. right there with social media. So let's talk a little bit about how we met, and then we're going to yeah. have our culture soup moment. So we have a mutual friend. We do, we do, Mr. And we Ruben. gotta book that, right? Uh, Ruben Canada, yes. Yeah, so absolutely. So Ruben, Ruben and I are friends, uh, and you're friends with Ruben. And yes. gosh, did he just like, ooh, y'all gotta meet or something? I can't even <laughs> That's remember. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. I was. Um, so he lives uh, out here as well. I think he's in the Malibu area. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking, and I was letting him know, just catching him up on where I'm at uh, with my career. And um, he says, "Oh man, you you gotta talk to Michelle." And I'm like, okay, well, tell me about it. He's like, well, we were on a panel together. She's phenomenal. She's dynamic, doing amazing things at at and Y'all, you guys have to meet. So, yeah. you know, next thing you know, the, the power of social, right? It's yes. History. And LinkedIn this is the first time we've actually deal. met in person. 
Well, I know. virtually. We're getting closer. Right, we're getting closer <laughs> yes, to that in-person we situation. We are. And you're my frat brother. So excited. Hey. One hey. nine. Hey, oh, six. Oh, eight. Yay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, Let's yes, have indeed. our culture soup going. How about that? Let's do it. So I check out this threads all the time, and I see different things, of course, that people are talking about. And you can't miss the employees that are online shouting out their company, whether it's company news, whether it's, oh, gee, look at where I spoke on behalf of my company, maybe it's some award. Um, there are platforms out there that actually enable this. So it's not just random employees out there doing this. Isn't that right? Absolutely. Yeah, there's a ton and, and, and a lot more popping up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's some major players in the space. I mean, um, I, I'm I'm biased towards a few, but I would suggest that the one that I've seen do it the best in, mm-hmm. the, in the in the business context is LinkedIn's Elevate. Okay. Now tell me oh, about man. that one because I haven't seen it. I've heard of it. Uh-huh. So let, let me disclaim and say I'm not getting paid by LinkedIn to promote this. Yeah, but, unless they want to uh, chime in later and yeah, get that corrected. I'm, just I'm that always happy to receive a check. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag ad. Um, <laughs> for sure. So, so when I uh, when I first started evaluating employee advocacy platforms, it was really out of a need to to put it all together in a platform because I think uh, most people will start with okay, we'll come up with some topics, to, uh, you know, and put them on a spreadsheet and then send them out to our employee base, and they can, you know, either copy paste or or put their own take on it. But I'm like, you can't measure that. Mm-hmm. So, or you can, but it's painstaking, right? Because right? uh, you have to do it all manually. So I looked at the, the, the landscape of, of several tools. Um, a couple that came up were Social Chorus, Dynamic Signal, um, uh, Social, uh, was it Social Companies or something mm-hmm. to that effect. But there was about four or five of them. And LinkedIn Elevate was in the consideration set. And the, the aha moment for me was our recruiters are already heavy on LinkedIn. Yes. Um, they've invested time in developing their networks and their brands on that channel. And... We have LinkedIn Recruiter as a platform from from LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. We're doing, uh, uh, we have our corporate pages, all of our, our uh, social marketing, our sponsored ads. So it just made sense to keep it within the ecosystem. Um, and so launched with Elevate, uh, the Elevate program at uh, my former company, Merck, uh, in 2017. Mm-hmm. And doing so was an amazing uh, experience in learning how and what motivates employees to share uh, content. Mm -hmm. And so based on the program that we built, the results that we were getting, LinkedIn invited me to their headquarters in New York um, uh, to speak Mm -hmm. uh, as a, a, what they call an evangelist. And so, um, you know, that experience showed, you know, you're speaking to an audience of uh, of, of leaders in HR or marketing and so forth who are evaluating mm-hmm. the platform or maybe on the fence of going over to that platform. But uh, what I was able to provide in terms of value was just how we did it, what works, and some perspective on um, on the the, bis- the real tangible business mm-hmm. results. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, I mean, it's uh, as an employer brand philosopher, I mean, this is, this is a goldmine, yeah. right? And... Um, you know, and, and I think the natural inclination is to just use that kind of platform to pump out company yeah. content through your employees' right. profiles, to which I, I suggest don't do not do that. Okay, well, you know what? We want to talk <laughs> about not. that because, yeah, we'll get into um, that. you know, when we get to the crux of who's benefiting from this, mm. of course, yep. more than anything, the companies are, but how do you make that a win-win for your employees? I talk a lot about having mentees that are just pedal to the floor with company news all the time. (laughs) And I've cornered a few of them and said, "Uh, come here. Um, (laughs) What what else is going on in your life? Have you you shared that recently? And Mm. are all of your followers fellow employees? Because you're cranking that globe out like rampant. And I love the globe too. That's not the point. But, sure. but when do we see more of what you bring to the table and your thinking? And it's a real aha yeah. moment for them because 
I'm one of those folks. I'm an entrepreneur, of course. I have my own brands and I have my company's brand. And there was at some point that I realized that I was cranking out far more about my employer than I was even my mm. thinking. And that right. when I even tweeted my thinking, people inadvertently linked it back to the brand. So I had sure. a real like epiphany and come to Jesus moment in my very own life. <laughs> and now I'm trying to pour <laughs> into sure. folks. It's great mm -hmm. as a marketer because those are dollars that you aren't spending. And if you could like take that and put a value to it, I'm almost certain that mm. you'd come up with a, a pretty hefty amount. Oh, so it's a very smart sure. thing for companies to do. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And just touching on that point, so when you when you were pumping out the corporate content mm -hmm. on your personal page, what what kind of responses were you getting, if any at all? Well, here's the thing. I hadn't really thought about it in that way until it hit me that I was getting tons of, oh, great, <clears throat> from all of my fellow employees, and anybody else <laughs> in my community was pretty silent. Crickets. Now, yeah. Crickets. Some of them were very For happy sure. to see me glowing, right? You know? Because sure. whenever, you know, I was speaking on behalf of my company, it was good for me, mm -hmm. right? So there are those yep. who were like, yay. But after a while, it was kind of like they faded. And I was mm -hmm. like, what's going on with my community? Like, I right. love my coworkers. Right. But, and then I saw the reverse yeah. was true. When I started putting okay. content out there that didn't have much to do with my employer, my fellow employees clammed up. And the rest mm -hmm. of them were like, go Michelle. Like, okay, <laughs> right. There's right. got to be balance here. I, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's what employee advocacy as a, um, a holistic approach from a pro programmatic standpoint, that's what you try to provide is that balance. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I'm not a huge advocate of pumping the company content through an employee mm -hmm. advocacy platform because to your point, it's very low relevance for your employees' networks mm -hmm. beyond the company. Right which then anchors your, your engagement metrics, mm -hmm. anchors authenticity, right. um, and, and you don't get the intended benefit. So what your company will start to look at is, okay, well, we're not really getting conversions out of this. We're just going to tank the program. Mm -hmm. Well, no, the program's fine. You just have to tweak and work backwards from the audiences. Right. So if you look at, so, so what we ended up doing was looking at you know, what are the functions around the organization? And, the, and then let's look at some of the interests, the trending topics, the thought leaders, the, 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 the high value content mm -hmm. publications and pump all of that content through and let employees share that with their networks. Because our, at the end of the day, our, our job is to provide value add content right. to our employees to share with their networks. Right. And the results, the, the results speak for themselves. I mean, what you end up seeing is not just, okay, we're getting more hits to our company page. Uh, we're also getting um, the downstream effects of now people going to look at jobs, mm -hmm. people applying for mm -hmm. jobs, people then getting hired. So now you can look at from end to end, the moment somebody in, in one of our employees' networks clicks on a, an article that they've shared through that platform, we can track that all the way to the point of hire. Wow. Which is phenomenal, right? So that that... Yeah, and that proves the ROI from the business side. So you keep, you know, well, senior let's leadership talk hat. about ba balance because if you're a big company and you can afford a platform like Elevate or Social Chorus or Dynamic, mm -hmm. I forgot what it's called. Um, Dynamic City you, you're, yeah. you're already outspending that employee. <laughs> okay, and 100%, this is, this is where agreed, I like yeah. for you know, as as a, an employee advocate myself. <laughs> mm -hmm. I like for them to think about all the dollars that this big company has versus the right. dollars that you don't have. And then think mm -hmm. about your social capital in that way. It's your real estate. So how are you going to use it? Is it okay for this big multi-billion dollar company to come in and take up all your real estate? Even if you are mm. opting in willingly and very proud of your company, is that really the right sure. way to go? That's a really good yeah, question. Yeah, I, I think it's a uh, there's it's a rhetorical, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think we know the answer mm -hmm. to that. Yeah. You, you wouldn't allow Coca Cola to come and, and and you know promote all over your page without cutting you a check, right. right? So it's so it's you do have to be conscious and and protective of your space and make sure that the content that you're pumping out of your 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 platforms or your profiles aligns to your core brand mm -hmm. as a personal brand. 
and and additionally benefits your employer's brand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it's it's a, it's not a tough balance to strike if the content and the guardrails are set up in a way that that in, encourages so that. So you're saying the onus is on the company. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Ted Rubin, yeah. I don't know if you heard our last. I mean, we went on for like an hour, <laughs> and I put the yeah, uncut Ted's version amazing. on there, and it's. I mean, the folks in the UK are all over it. They're loving it, um, and it's hey. one of the most most uh, listened to episodes to this point. And we right. we talked mostly about personal brand, <clears throat> but it's hard to not talk about employee advocacy and personal brand at the same time. And he has some strong opinions. In fact, okay. what came out uh-huh. in that Black Enterprise article that you were part of and he was a part of uh-huh. is that he believes on the whole, most companies aren't doing it the right way. And you've touched sure. on one thing there that you and he align on, and that is the content that they're putting on these platforms for employees to share shouldn't just be self-serving to the company, correct? Not at all. So, I mean, that would really put a lot of marketers in a, like, deer in headlines position, like, so then, <laughs> then, then what are we doing and what should we be sharing? And I mean, after all, this is our chance right. to get our message out and our employees right, are opting right, in, right, so right. why not? Absolutely. Yeah, my, you know, it's interesting. I, I do a talk on personal brand, um, which in, in, encompasses employer brand as well. And the, the thing that I like to say is there is no I in relevant, right? And so if, if we're thinking about um, working backwards from the interests, the need states of our target audiences, um, we're up against, you know, a, a flow of content that is unprecedented today, right? People are hit with more messages in a day than ever before in history. So how do you keep from being noise in the news feed? And then stay or, or differentiating and standing out. And so I think as consumers, we've we've been trained and we've we've told um, we've told consumer marketers that we don't want to be sold to. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And and your your brand, I, you know, people don't care about your brand. Mm-hmm. They care about their their self-interest. Right. Now, if you can align your brand's value proposition to the self-interest in a way that's subtle, in a way that's authentic and that's real that's for them. Key. Then you have a shot, right, mm-hmm. at, at getting consideration, engagement, conversion, whatever. So, so no, I, I'm a hundred percent of the mindset that if it's not relevant, then it shouldn't be shared. Mm. I, because like at the end real, of the day, I mean, you're wasting an opportunity. I mean, really. So this is like a come to yeah. Jesus moment in hey. the marketing office, right? Communications or wherever, where you really Absolutely. have to look at this content and say. Is this relevant to our employees? And the only mm. way you're going to find that out is to what? Ask them? To, to, to ask them. Listen. You got a pulse? Survey. Listen. See, see what they're sharing and their communities are sharing with them that gets high engagement. Right. That may shift a strategy. Like, this scares people. This, this scares 180. people. Oh, it's non-traditional, mm-hmm. right? It's not easy. It's not. Uh, it's not rote. It's not uh, taught in schools, right? This is, this is somebody who has to be in tune with the culture. Yeah, hundred percent. Whatever the culture is that you're trying to connect with, you have to be in tune with it. And 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 it's you know I look across many different functions in my in my organization, and it's not going to be the same piece of content that goes across all mm-hmm. all uh, all functions. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really have to to be uh, clear and and purposeful in where you're sourcing the content mm-hmm. for your employees to share. Well, you know, and that's the conversation, right? Yeah. Where, where do you go to get content on a regular basis? What stops you See, from scrolling and get you to click? You just touched on something that's very key, and this is why this show is even named what it's called. You said yes. you have to be in tune with the culture. Now, if I'm a corporate type, which I am, right, and I'm hearing this, I'm thinking, oh, what is our corporate corporate culture? I think sometimes, and let me know what you think, we're missing the fact that our corporate culture doesn't exist in a bubble, that the people who make up that culture are part of the cultures that exist outside of the company. And again, we're not talking about skin color. We're not, we're not, we're talking about the things that interest people and 
people gather their community around the content, right? So, 100% agree. Ooh. Yeah. That's yeah. deep. It is. And that's that's the uh, sort of, to your point, the come to Jesus moment for companies to figure out who are we. Yeah. Right. And I, I say that in my talk. That is one of the hardest questions in life to answer from a, from, from an individual yeah. perspective. If I were to ask you, who are you? Right. And I separate the external definers of mm-hmm. who are you. Right. Not your job title, not your alumni status, not your parental marriage status, marriage status any of that. What value do you offer right. the world? Who are you inherently at your core that express totally. that you express to the world? When you can figure that question out, whether it's personal brand, corporate brand, employer brand, then you have a shot, yeah. right? Because now you know what your message is. Now you know how you speak, your tone of voice, where you go for publication, all of that. Y'all, it it all comes like in this the guy. Because I preach this all the time hey. <laughs> to my mentees, to those folks who are in, you know, mid-manager, even third fifth year entrepreneur, if you can nail that Mm -hmm. value proposition, and I don't think there's a difference between your personal brand and what you, the brand you bring into your company. It it shouldn't be when it comes to authenticity, it should be one straight line and it's not your job title. Okay. So let's stop real quick. Yeah. It's not your job title. Some people were just like, whoa, what did she just say? And woo. I mean, that's it. That's kind of radical to some people. That's a fact. And that's that's actually a point of focus that we focus on in these uh, employee advocacy programs is starting at the profile level on LinkedIn. What does your headline say? Because, right, because by virtue of you sharing content, it's going to increase the visibility totally. of your profile. So when they come to your profile, what are you telling them, right? What What's going to compel them and engage, uh, encourage them to explore more? Not just on your profile, but then to click through to your company because you're a reflection of the company well, that hired you. Let's get back to the idea of culture converging on these employee advocacy platforms because I just spoke to some kids mm-hmm. over at the University of North Texas. It's a, it was a media ownership class with journalism okay. students, comm students, advertising students. And they are looking at the idea of ownership and not just going to work for a big company. I told them that they actually mm-hmm. have three choices. Where you and I, coming out of school, we probably had two, but our parents and counselors were veering towards that one. And that was, yes. Yeah, yeah. Get your degree, Be an get that paper, get your resume ready, right. get a job, put your head down and keep it, right? As long as you can. Yep. <laughs> we're Gen Xers, mm-hmm. right? That's, yeah. that's what we were taught. Yeah. These millennials came and shook it up and they're like, stay. For what? They don't care about me. I'm going <laughs> to get the money. I'm right. going to get the, the title. And at most I'm <laughs> staying for three years because that's the fastest I can make it up the chain when these companies are going so slow. And the Centennials are coming mm-hmm. right behind them the same way. But Oh, Gen Z is going to change yes, the game. The third choice, the third choice I talked to them about is one that I'm mm-hmm. sure a lot of, you know, traditional companies are like, well, why would you say that's an option? You can do both. And it has a lot to do with the democratization of the Internet. And so let's sure. stop right there with the idea Absolutely. of the yeah. Internet and social Strong. media as a democracy. Oh, Oh, Mm. I know, right? So if we're going to mix the culture of a corporation, which can't have a culture without the people, and the people are the carriers of that culture, but they don't exist in a bubble. They're a part of all these other cultures out there, too. And you're saying you have to be in tune with the culture. Don't we have to democratize? Am I going to say that? Do we need to democratize employee advocacy? Whoa. Okay. Yeah, I'm hey, glad I own this platform that's because radical. somebody Thank shut you. me down. <laughs> <laughs> this this uh, blasphemy yes, you speak, yes. I love it. Um, you you do you do, and and that's that's the 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 push and the pull that companies are experiencing right now is they're realizing, you know, and I've seen it in in a couple of industries where they're realizing for the first time and however long their history is as a company that they can no longer rely on their good name to attract talent, right? 
and 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 that's because people have become entities unto mm-hmm. themselves through the democratization of yeah. the internet, information, social access, all of that. And so I, I'd say to 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 the next generation, right, Gen Z coming up behind millennials, there's a fourth mm-hmm. option, and that's opting out yeah. completely. Right? I don't need to. Uh, take on the debt instruments of a mortgage and go live in the suburbs to work at this company that's based in 30, oh, 40 miles outside of the I metro don't even area. I have to go into this four-year institution and go into debt. <laughs> exactly. When right. I have this I learned to code watching YouTube video. And I can make money with my PayPal, go. my Square, my Stripe. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they, I mean, you're giving entrepreneurs at an early and earlier age. LinkedIn lowered the account age limit to 13 did. because you're getting people Ooh, I can't right wait you're to getting get kids on. i'm saying <laughs> there's there's viable business leaders at 13 14 15 years old who have created something of value and are shaping mm-hmm. it themselves without ever or they're not even in high school well they're they're just hitting well, high Jaylen school now Blipso was so, one of those people he was my uh, second or third episode 20 year old multi-millionaire <laughs> 20 he made his mm. first million at 15. Why shouldn't he be on LinkedIn? Right. What company is going to be attractive enough to bring him in as an employee? Well, and here's the thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean. Not unless he's running something. He's coming in yeah. there to run it. Right. Like, <laughs> so, so, so to that point, this is the, this is the personal brand development that's happening before they even touch, right. The academic mm-hmm. institutions or institutions and you as a as a traditional model or industrial model uh evolved company have to compete with that now you know so so it's either you you figure out how to make Mm -hmm. influencers from within your own organization or you continue to pay influencers from outside it and run the risk of lack of authenticity the influencers are becoming influencers anyway right so let's put these companies at ease for a second. I think we need to, right? We need to say, right. okay, look, right. you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing by doing these employee advocacy programs. Yay. Okay. Not only are you saving yeah. money, you are impacting the bottom line, and you are putting a face to your company, right? Because it's peer-to-peer. Sure. You know, people like to get information and advice from people that look like them, right? So it's true right. that, you know, somebody who's my girlfriend or friend will take information from me much sooner than they would my my employer, right? Okay. So, Absolutely. yeah, you're doing the right thing. Put them at ease about this whole personal brand thing because a lot of these traditionalists are like, yeah. well, why would they be doing that? Are they looking for a job? <laughs> and should they Right, be? right. Well, okay, there's some stats yeah. that kind of say that we should, even if, <laughs> even if we aren't. Employees are keeping That's true. employees three years tops and even some of these On big average. ones that have had people for 20 25 35 it's kind of yesterday right that's not a that's not a um that's not a a, a norm no. any longer right the average is three to five years um in any given function um i mean look they to put companies at ease the the light at the end of the tunnel here is that not only do you, does your employee advocacy program um, sort of add rocket fuel to your talent attraction efforts, it does the same for your talent retention mm-hmm. efforts. Because now what you're doing is you're telling your employees that I trust you and I'm empowering you to, to raise your visibility as a means of not only promoting um, you know, what's important to you, but we will reap the benefits downstream indirectly by doing so, and that that shows a lot of trust. Trust is a key word, right? and, and I think because sometimes trust isn't something that is tangible. I mean, mm. trust trust implies mm. that you have to have a little faith. Like there's something that's not <laughs> there that you can put your hands on that you have to just sure. put your belief behind. Yeah, and, and and people like me help to add a little bit of security and comfort to that leap of faith for organizations because we're not just you know letting them go willy nilly on a corporate platform. It's quite the opposite. Nobody would know that the content you're sharing, Michelle, that's coming from our advocacy platform, came from the company. Mm-hmm. Wait, 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 wait! Stop. It looks Stop. It. 
Okay, because this is radical too. There are social media policies out there at various companies that if you tweet or share from that platform, there's an appropriate hashtag that needs to be there. Now, they do that primarily for metrics, so they say. Talk to me about that. No, they do that to distance themselves from the individual's wild opinion that may not align with their corporate brand. Is Let's that? keep it funky. Let's keep it funky. So, so, so here, so here's the thing. This is why I don't advocate for putting company content through an employee advocacy platform, because now what you're doing is you're putting your message in the mouth of the yes. employee, which may not authentic, may not be genuine right. or authentic, right? And so, and so, this is why the content that you share should be uh, of broad value to uh, a wide possible audience who cares about the subject mm-hmm. of that content. And then, as a direct benefit, or an indirect benefit, I should say, the company gains visibility. Because on, on a platform like LinkedIn, the moment I click on your profile, I see exactly. where you work. There's a link directly to the company. I can check out the company, and that actually happens organically, which is what you want. Well, let's let's. Right, you don't want it exactly. to force. Exactly. So, there's a school of thought that even yeah. you know, IRL. We're talking about not even the social realm, where okay. if you just do a byline article, and you're giving thought leadership that is unbranded, that your company will get the glow from that. Yep. But there's a school of thought that says, no, 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 we need to be branded, and here's why, right? Because that's just not yeah. out there enough. So even in speaking ops, if an employee gets on the, the platform as an employee of XYZ company, sure. and they're talking about concepts and trends and issues, and they never give a company message, but they still give the company shine, correct? Hundred percent, hundred percent agree. You you can as long as you are employed by a company, you are not separate from from that right. company. Your views and your opinions are your own, but you are an employee. When you go so to sleep on it, Sunday night, when you wake up on Monday morning, you're still an employee. To source out those individuals in your company that have that kind <laughs> of platform that are doing it responsibly. Sure. And absolutely that's there's 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 data behind that. In fact, um, when when I worked with LinkedIn to bring the program home and and get the the buy in, they went and did a a deep dive analysis on the LinkedIn platform and looked at the entire uh, company employee population that was on LinkedIn. And what they were able to tell us is that, okay, here's your company Mm -hmm. page. Right. And you have X amount of uh, followers on your company page. Well, here. It, like way off the chart is the uh, first degree connections of every employee at the company, which was like ten times the amount of your corporate page. So okay, so right, so so if we're thinking okay, uh, um, you know, I'll just use Amgen as an example. Four hundred thousand connections on the uh, followers on the corporate page, but your employee base has four point two million reach via thir- uh, first degree connections. It's, it's rock, a no-brainer. It's, it's not rocket science. Not at all. So you go to where the, the the broadest possible reach is by leveraging the authentic voices of your of your of your employees. Mm-hmm. And like you said earlier, people employees are super credible with their first degree mm-hmm. connections, just by virtue of the connections. And so I always like to say, you know, how many people click on pop-up ads when they surf the internet? And I'll ask mm-hmm. the room that, and zero mm-hmm. hands go up. And I'm like, okay, unless unless you click that little X to try right. and get out of the pop-up ad, and then you end the ad anyway. Um, but I said, okay, well, well, how many people look at user reviews before they purchase something off Amazon? Everybody. All hands mm-hmm. go up. Right. It's no different here, right? So so we're 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 leveraging the credibility, and the um and the authentic connection they already have, and giving them more content that they don't have to right, source. Right. thing is absolutely in total conflict 
with employee advocacy. And what I'm hearing you say is I, they actually shouldn't I, be. And they aren't. It's symbiotic. Uh, 100%. I mean, that, you, you can't separate the two. The, the question is, how do you shape that? What is your message and who is your audience? And if we think about the personal brand and the corporate brand, they do have different audiences. And I, and, and I don't disagree. And so there's a, there's a fear a lot of times of, well, if we invest in, in raising the visibility and the, uh, uh, the, the, the um, efficacy of a personal brand of our employees, won't that just make them more poachable by our co- uh, mm. competition? And I suggest no, because they're already being courted by recruiters on and a honestly, daily basis. You should be poaching them Re- yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. You, let's think of yeah. better ways to retain. And that's the point, right? If they're going to leave your company, it's not because they were given a platform. There's other right. issues at hand, right? Nobody leaves companies, they leave right. managers. So let's look at the internal mechanisms of retention and added advocacy and give people a voice. And I think you have a really strong case to keep people uh, retained, but also keep them happy and engaged. And if people are leveraging the internet in these creative ways and in ways that um, I was discussing with Jason Caston, the price of a lot of the things that we're doing today is just in, it's in the basement. Like it's, it's democratized. Like anybody can publish a book for less than 500 bucks on their own on the internet. You can start a beauty brand right. on the internet for 500 bucks right. like, on Instagram. or less. Yeah? So <laughs> right. sometimes yeah. a lot of these things cost a lot less if you let the employee do them than to, okay, well, let's start a branded podcast. And if we start this branded podcast, let's go get studio time. We're going to get the best talent we're gonna, and then you you racked up all this stuff. When what if you went through your employee base and found out who had them? Right, right. You don't want to yeah. shortcut it, right? And I think a lot of we're still looking for shortcuts in, in in the corporate sense of we have budget, let's buy it. Well, no, it 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 costs you a lot less to build it organically with all of the the resources you have. I mean, if you look at the cost of of losing an employee versus retaining one, the cost isn't just in in the expense of having to now attract new talent. The cost comes in the the knowledge, the subject matter expertise, the the cultural impact that that employee may have had, and that's irreplaceable, right? So 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 the key here is how do we how do we leverage that expertise in a way that that shows their um, uh, the, the command of their space or their function as a thought leader um, and, and gives them, uh, you know, a, a tool to amplify okay. that So voice. a lot of these traditional companies think that that thought leadership can only come from the C-suite. I, right. Well, that's in direct opposition to the stat of 85% of C-suite across all industries have zero social presence. Okay, y'all, he said it. I didn't say it. So how is that? I didn't say it. 85% of the C-suite has zero social presence. There's a ton of reasons for that. There's a ton of reasons for that. 100% agree. Some of of them just not a part of the digital age. And they're they're wanting to be, and so they have a presence on LinkedIn, but they're not engaging because that's safe. Then there's that other reason. It's safe not to be engaged and on, Okay. Then some uh-huh. of them are coming to the game too late. So they spent all of their 20, mm-hmm. 25 years, 30 years going into the C-suite. They make it there and suddenly they're like, I want to engage. Engage with me. <laughs> I am the CE, CXO <laughs> right. of whatever. And then they're wondering, like, why right. aren't they showing up? Right, right. Yeah, there's, there's several um competing factors and, and it, it does come a lot from risk aversion and I get it I mean you're, you're the head of uh, you know a, a multi-billion dollar multinational organization one wrong sentence can topple a stock but market from a second line it's not right the reality is how many yeah. CEOs have done that in social very few. It's very few unless you just come out with oh, something so wild like, like okay wait you're Tesla guy yeah <laughs> <laughs> He's done uh, Elon, it. Elon, well, yeah. yeah. Or the president. 
Yeah, well, the president. There you go. He's done it. Stock no, market. No, just... Yeah. So, so, so I guess the, the reality is. Well, then you also have the CEOs that recognize the need to be in social because they see the power of it, um, the the ability to connect with an audience that that can you know help bolster the brand. But they they haven't found their voice yet. They haven't no, developed their voice the in social. So it, much it, of the success of those that are doing it right have a heart for people offline. Did ooh, I go there? That's strong message. I mean, it's yes. the truth. And so when they come online and people follow them, you know, there are other folks that look at them and like, well, how did that happen? How do I build my audience that way? And I, I want to say, did you touch the people offline? Do you allow them to touch you? Mm. Why right. would they follow right. you on social you if you're not likable in person? And that's a fact, right? I, I often say that social is not the place where you, um, you know, uh, develop and and perfect yeah. your facade, right? It should be the place that amplifies and enhances okay, who you, you already are that. and just gives you a you bigger voice. That because I preach this: social media is a tactic. Yeah. It is not your personal brand. It's a tool. It's a tool, absolutely. And just just as a hammer can build a house, it can also kill a person if used improperly. So if you learn how to wield the tool to, uh, I think, to make easier what you do naturally, then you're using the tool as an extension of yourself, which is where you get great results. So to your point, it's not the place to build facades. This is a place to amplify who you are offline and bring it to a broader audience. Now, CEO or somebody in the C-suite already is well-networked. Uh, a lot of times they're getting their information directly from peers across industries or, you know, uh, or, you know, and, and people that are well thought of in their circles. So they don't feel the need to go to an open forum to, to connect. Um, but it's really on how you shape that conversation. And I work with executives in reverse mentoring from a social perspective to let them know that, no, this is the place where you get a, a, a pulse on not only how your company brand is perceived, yes. but how your brand is perceived as leader of said company. And this, you know, nowhere else could you get that direct feedback and engage in a way, right? In, in, a, in a way that has parameters. And so some C-suiters have voices who speak for them on their behalf. I have mixed feelings about that. I think if you can, if you are adept at the voice of the person mm-hmm. that you're communicating for, then okay, that works. But I always believe you should be getting direct input on that messaging. They should be helping you craft those blog articles or those posts or tweets and so forth. And you carry out the rest. But, you, you know, I don't I want to know more about who you are as a leader, how you got to where you are, what you've learned along the way, how it's helped you grow, how you've changed or impacted lives yes. in your voice. When you put it in that perspective, they're like, oh. But that scares okay. a lot of people. But, but, it scares a lot of people. It's not, are, it's not traditional. Yeah. Usually have communications uh, departments for that or right. media but, training. But, but how authentic can you be? That's, that is the true test right there. Yeah, There's and, no and limitation. There's and it's guarded transparency. We're not saying... You know, tell all your business. That's not it at all. Come and spill the we, spill we, the secret yeah. sauce. <laughs> right. We we want to touch you. We want to we know. We need a face, and we need somebody we can relate to. Right. Yeah. I mean, these are the these are the the, the rock stars of industries. These are the people that you know are, are viewed in such high regard, and, and there's a level of untouchability, even as an employee in the company under these CEOs or the C-suiters. You know, it's, uh, you know, oh, I saw I saw such and such in the hallway the other day, and, and I held the door for him. He said, "Thank you." That that moment of impact goes well beyond what you would ever know, right? It's huge. Imagine if somebody's able to have a conversation with, uh, you know, a Richard Branson, uh, uh, um, uh, 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 not a Steve yeah. Jobs, Tim Cook, uh, right? These people who who make it a Look, point to connect. This is, you know, the name Sint Marshall. She's the CEO of the Mavericks. Yes. Okay. There is magic right. in Sint Marshall, but the magic of Sint Marshall is mm. Sint Marshall loves people like genuinely. 
So she has developed yep. this larger than life personality. You know, if she moves through mm-hmm. the room, you don't know if it's Tiger Woods or Jesus because people are just <laughs> flocking towards her. And right. there's nothing she could do on social media to manufacture that. Nope. No, and that carries over. And that's why I use the word rock mm-hmm. stars of their industry because there's a certain mystique to celebrity that people just want to, to your mm-hmm. point, to be able to touch it. They want to be able to interact with it. And that in some way um, improves their own personal uh, perspective, self-worth, uh, validation of industries, whatever the case may be. And and who are we not to help well, and amplify you know what? that? You just touched on make- another key point. That's executive presence. I think people have that all wrong. Like mm. what that means. Like mm. suddenly it means you put on the suit and you walk a certain way and you have, <laughs> you know, this, this, this heft about you. That's executive presence. Mm. What you just described is executive presence. That's that awareness that you have about how people perceive you and how you actually move in and out of these different places and carry yourself right. in a way that it's almost magnetism. It's a hundred percent magnet. I, I don't think you get to that level of leadership without having that, that piece. Now it's where do you choose to flex mm-hmm. and express it? That becomes conversation. So, you know, you may be doing that great with suppliers, with uh, Wall Street, with whatever. But how are you doing that with the uh, custodial services at your at your company? How are you doing that with your mid-level management or your your early well, career new hires? Isn't that the thing? Interns. I don't I'm, think that mid-level managers think that they're even allowed to have executive presence. <laughs> and then I don't when know you what, do, that that is people one look of the, at you like, why uh, is she walking with such? Yes. Who does she think she is? <laughs> but but that, that's one of the carryovers of the industrial model, right? The industrial um, industrial corporate model that has beaten down middle management into this. Uh, all right, I can't be of the people because mm-hmm. I'm trying to get to leadership right at a higher level, but I can't be too ambitious because then leadership will look, you know, feel afraid or right that, that I'm, that I'm coming for their position. So it's, you're in a very tough spot in middle management, but I think again, with the, with the wave of not only social and tech, but just the expectations from employees in millennial and Gen Z generations is flipping that on its head, right? It's, it's, it's going to take a few years. I mean, and I've, Sad, you know, I might get crucified for this, but I think there's going to be a point where you look at. I've often said, at what point does the culture really shift? Do you have to wait until a certain generation is aged out? Well, then no, because the the generation prior learned everything they yes, they know from, from a management style from that generation, totally. so it carries on. So, I, so that's why I say Gen Z is probably going to be the first generation where those mores and norms are not relevant. That's amazing. And that's, so much is happening with Gen Z. Talk about it all the time. The word minority is out the door because 50% of those babies were babies of color in 2012. The whole uh, paradigm is not just shift. It's, it's obliterated in that generation. So they're going to see things very that's differently right. than we do and we're trying to force it on them. They're already in college and some of them are mm. beginning to come into the job market now. And right. they have the internet right. in this their This year pocket. was the first year. I th- They've got money-making ability right here. So how do you, right. as a company, and I'm sure they're all grappling with it right now, how do you keep this employee happy for three to five years? Because that's the window you got. Leverage their voice. Amplify their voice. <laughs> to your point, they've already got one. You, we as as organizations or companies are trying their hardest to to get into those conversations in a way that doesn't look like you know the old guy at the bar well, or the old guy at the club, right? Like that's, it's, that's a good you know, point. Kind, so the old awkward. head at the at the club is the one thinking that yeah. they're attracting the centennials. When no, it's no. your middle managers. That are kind of youngish and 
leveraging the internet in ways that right. they can relate to. Well, as well as the other uh, Gen Zers who are yes. already in the workforce, <clears throat> because they've got firsthand experience of a company culture or millennial early early younger millennials on that side uh, who are now into their third, mm-hmm. fourth, fifth year in a, in a company. They have a firsthand perspective of what corporate culture is like, but they also have a have they still have a solid footing into their entrepreneurial endeavors, um, you know, pop culture and, and, and now culture. So really, you need to figure out ways to get into the conversation by giving people who are already in it so I'm a hearing, platform. I'm hearing a few different tips. I'm just going to start crystallizing them. First of all, all right. empower your employees with relevant content that they can use, right? First and foremost. Absolutely. Safe compliant, regulatory approved, whatever the case may be, but arm them with it. The second one I heard you say was know the culture. And that's broader than just your corporate culture. Right? 100%. Absolutely. Yep. Know the audience, know the culture that you're trying to engage. Then I hear you say empower your people who are empowered with the internet. (laughs) Sounds (laughs) revolutionary. (laughs) Sounds revolutionary when you put it up. Yeah, that's that's a fact. Yeah, that's a fact. Empower mm-hmm. them. Amplify. Mm-hmm. Trust them. Trust. And then I also hear you say, Trust. go deep into your bench. And don't just rely on the C-suite mm. because they may not even have the proper engagement to do what they need to do. So find the people who do. Yep. That's exactly right. The C-suite, the C-suite has an awesome, they're already getting yes. traditional media exposure. Which is, you know, at one point that was the holy grail, right? The broadest audience, the 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 highest, uh, you know, visibility and eyeballs, um, but not anymore. You need both. You need the combination. You need you need the C-suite on traditional media and that outlet, and you need the employee base on social media, and that combination creates this movement, right? A massive of true representation of your so, internal culture. Those are great tips for companies if they're open to this and they're wanting to just like supercharge their employee advocacy. Now let's turn to the employee. Yeah. What advice do you have turn it. Okay. for Joe, middle manager, who is just excited about the internet yeah. and loves to share and just out of the bottom of his heart, yeah. nothing sinister. And yeah, maybe he is thinking <laughs> this is the way to have better footing if for some reason a, a pink slip shows up. How how do you <laughs> encourage Joe Middle Manager in an environment that is still very much shaped by this industrial model? Yeah, model, yeah. Um, that's a really thoughtful question. Um, I I would never make the false promise that Improving your personal brand makes you pink slip proof. But what it does do is it helps position you as somebody of uh, credibility in your space should you need to explore other opportunities out there. Um, as, as you well know, the best time to find a job mm-hmm. is when you have a job. So, so it, you, you should never start working on your personal brand out of desperation. Right? Because now, now you're looking at keywords and what will come up in keyword searches and Boolean searches for recruiters. And the time is, is when you are in the midst of everyday work at an organization and you can share a unique perspective on your approach, um, your, your, your inspiration or influencers on your leadership style, how you empower your employees as a manager, um, your thoughts on trends in, in your related field or function. Um, this is the time to start doing that when you have the luxury of stability and security. Now, if you're in the market, then for you, it's it's not just positioning yourself to get the same job you've had. This is the perfect time to start positioning yourself for the job you've always wanted. And so, so it you know, I work with I work with people uh, from a, in a consulting capacity to suggest. 
you know, look at your profile from top to bottom. And if it's not compelling from that first visual to your headline, to your summary, to your job experience and all of that, you have some work to do because that's the first thing that people see. So middle managers, I think, are, are in a really good spot to flex the expertise that they've garnered, but also positioning themselves at, for that next level up. Early on, that value proposition, like crystallizing right. that, because I think if Joe middle manager could learn a bit about polishing that external face, uh, yeah. it might be a little mm-hmm. bit more attractive to yep. their employer. Because I think one of the fears that you said that a lot of oh, these companies okay. have is how will they carry this message? Is it in our voice? Is it, you know, all of this stuff when, and I'm not saying that you need to turn into right. some talking head or something that you're not being very authentic, but if right. you understand your value proposition, you can kind of hone and shape who you are. I mean, for me, mm. I help businesses and people thrive at the intersection yeah. of tech culture and business. My current employer fits very well in that. And that makes sense because here I am, right? But even if I go to somewhere else, if I'm being true to my value prop and it's run true with them, I'm going to be squirreling my purpose, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's your value prop should be the reason why your company hired you. I mean, it's not a stretch, right? And I think... I think where people, um, you know, not everybody's a creative mind, right? Not everybody's a wordsmith. So it should be your um, desire to seek out somebody in marketing who does copywriting. Work with them on the side. Take, buy them lunch. Let's talk. I would love to, to mm-hmm. you know, for you to take a look at my profile and see how I can make my headline a bit more snappier, right? Um, it's, it's thinking about how do you articulate that, that, mm-hmm. that question of who are you and not just right. default to your title, your job title or the company you work at. I encourage people to really dig deep in it. You know, it, it becomes oh, yeah. this transformative experience. And you have to because if you don't unlock who you are at your core, your inherent um, value and what you were designed to do, right? Because I'll, I'll walk somebody back to their childhood and when they were eight years old and their their father got a brand new stereo and took it out of the box mm-hmm. and said, make it work, read the instructions. And that became the catalyst for you becoming yeah. a systems engineer, right? Most people don't go back and connect those dots to see how they got to where they are and why they, why it just seems so, uh, you know, kismet that they're doing exactly what they do. So, so unlocking, unlocking that value proposition at core level, who are you, be able to answer it without using external identifiers and then that starts telling the world that you've put thought into how you represent yourself externally. But it's also compelling and may lead them to want to know more. So, John, you just moved out to L.A. and you got this exciting new game. Yeah. You're out there in Thousand Oaks, California. What can we look forward to? Are you speaking soon? Do you have a book coming down the head? Like, we want to support oh. you. Tell us how to support uh, you. Well, I, um, I am speaking at a few uh, uh, engagements this year. Uh, most, I guess, uh, uh, let see. The first one coming up is next end of this month at the Coalition of Black Excellence in San Francisco. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Never heard of that one. That sounds awesome. I'll shoot you a link. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah, yep. please. And, and, and you're not too far from Oakland, where there's a hotbed of black excellence and creativity and innovation. To indeed, both. indeed. I'm excited about that one for sure. Um, speaking, uh, facilitating um, at uh, the Talent Brand Alliance or Talent Brand Summit in Austin in March, um, and then. Around what time? Around South by? Last Eight, last nine, week. Ten? Last week of March. So, okay. I'll yeah. Uh, and <laughs> then um, I'm speaking at uh, eBrandCon or Employer Brand Conference in San Diego uh, in May. So, this well, is I schedule. can't wait to hear you speak because I need to be in the room. Hey, I'll shoot you I'm some impressed me. because just the conversations we yeah. had, the first conversation I had with you, I'm like, okay, I'm writing 
this story and I need you to be I, in it. Like this week. I'm fortunate. <laughs> I'm fortunate. You know, we are a reflection of our network for sure, right? Uh, so I'm just yeah. I'm just happy to be in the Shout room. Out to Shout out to hey. That, that. <laughs> and we gotta book that, man. <laughs> we do. I'm gonna work on we need to work on that. Two pronged approach. I am working on a book. Um I am. Yeah, I figure I should put my uh my my years of uh, of, of work into the employer brand space in a uh, in, in a, t- a title. Yes, you should. You have a very important point of view, and it's rich and it's helpful. Thank you. To both employees and brands, and bravo for you know what taking a real stance because a lot of people are afraid to do that these days. Hey, I'm not afraid to know. You know? And look, you've only benefited from it. It's worked. It's worked so far. I'll say that. I encourage you guys to follow him on IG because you get a little peek into his life. He has a beautiful family. And um, he's really soaking in this West Coast. California love. It's so nice in January, February. I'm not going to lie, folks. Mm -hmm. Come and get you some sunshine. Come on in. Thank you. Well, anything you want to add? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This has been awesome. Our conversations are always awesome. To do it and watch you in real time and with a microphone and headset and watch you in your element, it's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure. Now, wasn't that a treat? Just over an hour's worth of rich conversation with John Graham. So grateful that he came on. Now, we are entering the month of March. As you know, that's Women's History Month. A couple of footnotes to this very special episode. John Graham and I have become very good friends. We discovered that our chemistry had a lot to do with the fact that our birthdays are on the very same day, September 8th for the both of us. We were introduced by a mutual friend. And if I get choked up, I'm so sorry. But we mentioned Ruben Canada on this episode. I'd like to dedicate this to Ruben in absentia. Ruben passed away suddenly um, this summer, earlier this summer, much to John and my um, sadness. So um, he never made it on the Culture Soup podcast, but I will tell you, he was the founder of Ginger, a beverage company. And Ruben and I had a very special relationship when it came to business And he was the one that was really encouraging me to go on and do this podcast. In fact, the teaser that you hear before the preamble of this Culture Soup podcast is a teaser with Ruben Canada. And I will always keep that segment because we did that with the full intention of bringing him on the show. And he never made it on the show. Our hearts and our prayers go out to his family and all of his friends um, from across the country, Howard University, Law, um, and his other schools and and family and friends. Um, We still mourn his loss, but we also celebrate his spirit, his spirit in business and his spirit that was just jovial and friendly and never, ever met a stranger. We love you, Ruben. Peace. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Silos Communication.